was probably about mid-afternoon. Most of the time, everybody in the city is wide awake, and they've been doing their day for quite some time. However, on this day, it was morning for this individual. You see, it was a time of day that she was used to getting up out of bed because she had long nights. She worked in the evening, and, and that was her day, her lifestyle. Everything about her dealt within kind of the evening mood because it was a time and area in which, well, those who would consider what she did was scandalous. See, many of the people knew her, they knew her by name, but the women knew her as someone who, who took their husband into a place of disrepair of sorts. The men knew her name for their pleasure. So she would tend to go during the afternoon time to get her water at the well because, well, it was convenient. The other women didn't like her very much. She was made fun of and laughed at, ridiculed. Every name that you can think of that came out of the book, she got it. And it was on one afternoon as she was carrying her, her water bucket to the well, she was hoping that this day would just be different. This day would be a day of, of hope and pleasure. But when she reached down and put her bucket into that, into that well, she, she saw something. Maybe it was a, just an image, a glimpse of what she remembered as a youth. She saw something of this woman who had once, in her mind, and in her eyes had been beautiful. Once as a child been loved. Once as just hope that I, I could be a princess. And as the water just kind of pounced and spread out, those dreams began to fade and she began to look at her hands, feel the, the pain and anguish inside her heart. And that prince that she was always hoping for, the men that came into her life were not princes at all. No, they were, they were men to take, take things from her. In fact, it would come to a point in her time and in her life that she would not experience anything but grief and misery and just why, why this thing of pleasure that her, her, maybe her parents had put her into a place because they needed money, they needed wealth, they needed income to support the family. They thought this would be something good for her to do to become what was known in town as, as a harlot. As somebody that you might see in your neck of the woods, someone who used to walk down Van Buren Street, known as a hooker. But she was known in her community, in her precious town, as the one who got what she needed to support her family. And on that special day, thinking of all the times that she had just wasted away, she longed for and really hoped that her Prince Charming would come and set her free from this place of misery. Her name is Rahab. And we discover a lot about her and her life in the Bible, in this precious book. In fact, it's the sixth book. And why don't we go to the sixth chapter of Joshua? 
Would you open your Bibles with me this morning as we go into a book that I really like, has my name on it too. It's the book of Joshua, chapter six this, this morning. And I, in fact, I, as Pastor Brez said a moment ago, um, He's, he's right, I'm a pastor of, of a Calvary Chapel known as the Refuge Church in, in Litchfield Park. We are super excited to be there and to be a part of this uh, place in Litchfield Park. In fact, last week on Sunday was our six-year anniversary at the Refuge Church. Can we, can we give the Lord a round of applause for that? So exciting. You guys have no idea what it's like not setting up and tearing down every single week as a church plant. Some of you can remember those days, maybe been a part of that, but at the Refuge Church, for when we started six years ago, God called us out. I was a, I was a, a youth pastor at Calvary Community Church, of 517, and uh, for many, many years. Uh, but before that, I was a, a marketing director at the, the Costco in Avondale. And by the way, guys, are you excited? Yeah. Costco's coming! Woo! Are you so excited? This is the best thing ever. I've lived in Surprise for 18 years, and, and I, I can't believe it's taken this long for a, for a Costco to come out here. My goodness, Arrowhead is packed. Avondale is packed. It's like, come on, guys. Like, let's get with the program. Well, anyway, they're coming. And so as, as a marketing director for Costco, I would drive around the area in Avondale for, for, for miles, just just meeting people and sharing the good news of Costco. We want, it, we want your money. And, uh, and uh, so as we would do that, I, I would begin to pray, to pray for this city, pray for this area that God had me, had me driving around. And lo and behold, years would go by, and all of a sudden, I became the pastor of a community in the area I used to pray for. It was amazing. Six years ago, we had 12 people, 12 people show up uh, at a house. It was a church that it was originally there and it imploded and it went down to 12 and they were just praying, praying that God would not stop what he wanted to do. And he brought my family and I and we began with nothing pretty much. And uh, in fact, a year into our ministry, all of our things were stolen. Uh, we had nothing. We showed up on church on Sunday morning and we had nothing but people. <laughs> and you know what? That's all you need. That is completely all you need. And, and now, uh, God is, we were originally at 103rd in Indian School, and he moved us uh, to the Litchfield Park just last year, and we are so excited to see what God is, has been doing in, in a part of this church. And, and when Pastor John asked me to come in today to fill in for him since he's doing babysitting duty uh, up north, I was like, dude, totally. I loved it. I loved it. I live in surprise. It would be outstanding. I'd love to be here. And so I just want to say thank you for having me here today is so exciting. You, you guys have no idea what you have in this place, in this, in this church, in, in this community, and what God is doing. And, and today, I think it's honestly, that's the type of perspective I want you to understand today. God's perspective on why he's called us here, even this morning. The perspective from God that, that sometimes we can forget about things. And, and even knowing uh, everything that has gone on in this community, in this area for, for some time, I don't want you to ever forget God's perspective. You might know in Joshua chapter 6, where you were at, we're going to open up to a scene, and the town is called Jericho. Jericho that we see is, is a unique city. In fact, let me show you a picture of Jericho. Uh, this is what it, it looks like for just a moment. You're going to see two walls. When you think of the walls of Jericho, you remember Elvis Presley? He had a song, a song like, going to walk the walls of Jericho, Jericho. 
Jericho. I thought for sure somebody was going to sing that with me. No? No? That's all right. That's cool. All right. Well, anyway, well, Elvis, he sang a song about Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. I used to always think it was just one of wall, but no, it was actually two, two walls. In fact, the city, Jericho, was built on top of a mound, a huge hill, and, and you need to understand the perspective of what we're looking at. This, this hill, this, this, this place was, the first wall was 12 to 15 feet high. And the second wall was about 46 feet off the ground. Now, they're both 12 to 15 feet high. And this other mound is, is they're 46 feet off the ground. This thing is it's getting bigger and bigger. It's going up high. You guys, we know about walls, don't we, in Arizona? Come on. That was a joke. Okay, I'm not getting political on you today. All right, all right. So, so just say, so we, we know, here we go, this, this massive thing. So the perspective for any incoming force into Jericho, you are looking at this massive mound. This thing is structured. Thousands and thousands of people are living inside the inner city. And on the, the outer court, that outer line, that's the line of defense. That's where like the military men and guys would, would live and, and they'd watch and protect the city. But on the perspective coming in is like, nobody can defeat this place. This place is massive. This place is an obstacle. This place, why would you even go to this? But the perspective that we tend to forget is that walls, a lot of times, and fences and gates are, are meant to keep people out. But in this case, honestly, truthfully, spiritually, these walls that were created, I really believe, became walls to keep people in. Not, not for people to discover hope that was on the way. We know this because of verse one. It says there, now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. So no one went out, no one came in. Why? Because of Israel. Israel's coming. The, 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 the message of hope is coming. They have heard what has been happening on the outside. Since the Israelites left Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, dry ground, and then they destroyed Pharaoh's army. And then they're up in the wilderness region, and, and God keeps doing miracles left and right. He's providing food in the morning with manna from heaven. He's providing their, their sandals on their shoes. They're, they're, they don't wear out. You know, Nike and Adidas wish they had God's plans on those sandals back in those days. And it was... Their clothes never, never tattered. They, God was supplying, they beat army after army. God was faithful. In fact, there was a pillar of cloud by day that would go before them and a pillar of fire by night. They were afraid. In fact, they just heard that they just walked across the Jordan River on dry ground. In fact, it says in Joshua chapter three and four that the, the waters of the Jordan were stopped all the way back at the city known as Adam. And it was so massively high, so incredibly high that miles and miles and miles away, you could see the, what God was doing. And they heard about this. And so they're terrified. And they cut, kept people, you cannot leave. We do not want you to leave. But what if somebody wanted out? What if somebody wanted hope? What if somebody like, hey, I want to join that posse. I want to be a part of that group. They're like, no way, Jose. We're not letting you do that. Because we don't want you to. In fact, this is the, the tactic truly the tactic that the devil likes to play. The devil wants us to have a perspective, not on God's. He wants us to be focused inwardly. He does want us to see what's, what's hopefully out there in the, in, in, the, in the world that we could do for the Lord. 
He likes to, to get our eyes off the prize, to not fix our eyes on Jesus. The devil loves to get us thinking about the misery, the shame, the guilt. He loves us to get off our game. But that's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to be stuck on the wrong side of that fence. He wants to have a perspective on him. And this morning, I really want us to have that perspective as we begin today. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask you for your insight into your word. Thank you for, thank you for this church. Thank you for Calvary Chapel Surprise, what you're doing here. Lord, we ask and pray that this day you would come and see, intercede for us, fill our hearts with gladness and joy. Let us understand this word. And where your word is proclaimed today, may it continue to go forth. Lord, whether it's at the Refuge Church or CCV to Palm Valley to Streams to uh, Wellspring Church, God, what you're doing in this entire valley, Lord, we are thankful that your word is being proclaimed this morning and we are excited for what you are doing in this valley. Bless us this day with your word in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. All right, we got God's perspective for a moment, so let's look at God's promise with me. Verse 2, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Now, you got to know something right away before we jump into this. When the Lord's speaking to Joshua, he actually shows up in person. Joshua chapter 5, he tells us that the captain of God's army appears to Joshua in person. And he takes off his sandals, Joshua does, and he falls down at his feet. This is a pre-incarnate Christ standing before Joshua. And so when God is speaking, it's not like in his head. It's not like some voice from the skies. It's literally like Joshua and God are speaking to one another in the form of the pre-incarnate Christ Jesus. It's fascinating. So when, when, when God's speaking, you've got to pay attention, right? And, and when God speaks... He's faithful, just like we sang a moment ago. He's about promises, and he's a promise keeper. And check it out, verse two. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. In fact, you shall march around the city, all the men of the war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. <laughs> this is cool. What does God say? How he's going to destroy the city? He's going to send F-16s and F-35s and fly in with drone attacks, and he's going to get them and knock them out? No. He says, here you go. Walk around the city six times for six days. <laughs> On the seventh day, do it seven times and shout. They'll fall down. And God, like, takes a bow. He takes a bow. <laughs> Amazing, right? Here's the promise. And what's cool, you gotta remember and listen to the promise, God's perspective again. Verse two, he says, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warrior. God's like the Goodyear blip. He's way up here. He sees the beginning of the parade. He sees the end of the parade. He knows what's gonna happen. 
because he is God. And he says, I have given you victory. It's past tense. God's speaking to him presently, and it's like, you've already won. You've already won. This is my promise to you. They're valiant warriors. There's amazing men and women in that facility who, who are not choosing to follow me. Listen, I'm gonna take them out for you. All you gotta do is do this really Weight Watchers thing and walk, go walking around <laughs> this building and, and wa- let the walls fall down. That's all you gotta do. Really? Now, Joshua, when God, Joshua, by this point, when he understands God's voice, when he listens to him, he responds not with a coward-like phrase. He doesn't respond in, in, in like timidity. timidity. He, he responds with courage and strength. Now, as, as, a, as a newly elected leader by the Lord, he had watched Moses in his relationship with the Lord for several, many, many years. He was like that, that, uh, that little church kid that would come to every service, come to every little thing, and he would just like a little church rat and watch, and watch what, what the pastor was doing. He saw Moses and he was like, wow, I, I, wanna, I wanna experience that closeness that God has. I wanna experience that, that relationship. And as he got closer and closer into that relationship, he, uh, he became stronger and more confident in God. Because when God speaks, he, he saw how God was faithful. He said, I would take you to the promised land. And you know what? He watched the people he grew up with enter into a brand new land. He saw God stop waters and for people to walk through. And then he heard God say, to him, Joshua, be strong and courageous. I want you to walk in the strength of my might. Do not be fearful or full of dismay. Why? Because I am with you, declares the Lord. And when Joshua hears a message from God that sounds completely idiotic, let's be real. How many of you have walked around Walmart, you walked around some store, and you've, you've just said, I'm gonna see these walls come down? Any, anybody? Try that? No? Okay, quick story. I have to tell you this real fast. My, my brother and I were twins, and uh, junior year in high school, we, we were great baseball players. We, we loved to uh, play sports. And we were really good. Actually, and, and I mean that. We were, like, we were pretty good. And we were expected to go to professional college-type levels and stuff. And so we, the end of our junior year, we decided to walk around Deer Valley High School's baseball field just like this. We believed, we believed that this was for us. I mean, my name's Joshua, right? Why not? And, and so we marched around for, for six days. And on the third or fourth day, this kid comes up to us after school, and he's like pestering us, keeps talking to us. Now... Now, you gotta know what the message is here, the plan. You know what, in fact, let's read the plan for just a minute and I'll finish the story. Look look, look at verse six with me. Look at this plan. This is the plan from God. Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests carry the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And so it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord 
they went before and blew trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord followed them. Verse nine. The armed men went before the priests who blew trumpets and the rear guard came after the Ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling at once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. This is unique. See, God's delivered a word. Joshua holds on to the promise and he's not a coward about it. He actually believes on it and he walks with it. So with me and my brother, we believe in this so much. Like, wow, this is a word. We believe God wants us to do this. We're walking around. This kid comes up to us, starts pestering it, and my brother speaks. I'm like, I can't even tell him, stop. But he keeps talking. The crazy thing is, my brother's name is Aaron. And if you are a Bible person, you know that Aaron in the Bible spoke for Moses. And, and so my brother says, hey, but bro, I'm, I'm Aaron. I speak for the people. <laughs> it was okay. I'm like, all right, one time. We'll have grace for that. <laughs> well, we believe. We believed in that plan. And at the seventh day in, in 1997, CCV used to uh, meet at Deer Valley High School. So on the seventh day, we're walking around the baseball field, and we begin to blow the trumpets. We begin to shout. We begin to declare, God has given us this baseball field. This year is for the Lord. We're so excited. We actually thought the, the walls were coming down. Those fences were coming down. They didn't, but CCV came out and said, what's going on? And they begin to like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. All right, that's interesting. That summer, 1996, and if you've lived in this valley, you, you know, you might remember, there was this thing we like to call a microburst happened here in the valley. We, hashtag tornado. And... Uh, a, a thing happened here in the valley that everything, every, a lot of houses got destroyed. And that summer, lo and behold, Deer Valley High School was completely fine. But that baseball field, every fence was gone. Every fence was gone. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, what? Are you serious? It was impressive. It was really cool. And in fact, the day that uh, tryouts happened the next year, we got down on our knees and we thanked the Lord. We we're like, this is, your, this is our year with you. We we're so grateful for this. And we began to pray. And as we got done and finished praying, the, the baseball coach was finishing the brand new tarps on the fence. He was chasing the tarps. They were all falling down after we prayed. No joke. I'm like, wow, God, this is the year. This is the year you want for us. And what happened? Lo and behold, at the end of the tryouts, we led the team in most categories the year before. Uh, the coach pulled us aside and says, guys, you can't be on our team. What? And the reason was, and there's only one reason, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. You can't do that. That's not even right. Separation of church and state, right? You can't do that. No, I'm doing it, and I don't want you on this team. You're too much about the Lord, and I don't want you to be on here. Now, as a kid, my perspective was really, I was messed. Didn't know what to do. But I remembered, God, this is your plan all along. You've told us what to do. And it's interesting. When, when you hear from the Lord and you, you listen to the Lord and God tells you to do something, and sometimes it's right there. In fact, 
I love to tell the Refuge Church, this is our playbook. This is our, our manual. This tells us how to live. And God has given us great instructions how to live. That whole New Testament, here's the new commandment I give to you, Jesus says. Are you ready? This is the one command we as a church are called to live. You are to love one another as I have called to love you. That's what you do. He dropped the mic and he walked away, he went to heaven, okay? He says, I want you to love one another as I love you. This is his mission. This is his call. This is what the church is called to do. He's fulfilled all 613 commandments in the Old Testament, and now he's given us a new directive, which actually encompasses all of them, and it's found in one. We are to love one another as I have loved you. This is our manual. It's our playbook. And if we hold tight to it, believe on it, trust in his promises, and follow his plan. This is what I love about Joshua. He's like really tight with his boys. He's telling them, guys, we're going to march around this thing. We're going to blow our trumpets. In fact, this is the trumpet that they would have blown. We're going to blow these trumpets, but do not, do not speak. Let, let, let them hear it. Let them hear the... All day long, little marching band, all day long, let them hear the noise, but do not, do not speak until I say so. Something powerful that happens in the, in the, in the, with God's promise to us, with his plan, and now he leaves it up to us. It was so fascinating. God, God encourages us. He, he gives us the, our opportunity to step into the, in the playing field. He doesn't want us to sit in the crowds and to cheer. He wants us to get our hands dirty. And he wants us to be a part of the process. Let's look at our progress. Let's, let's look at their progress. Would, would you with me? Verse 12. So Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually. And he blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and they rear guard after them, and they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus, the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Wow. Talk about progress. Do you think they're making progress? Do you think they're really making progress? Really, it's, when you read the Bible, you just don't want to just read it and go right through it. You want to just slow it down. Take it in. Imagine yourself there on the scene. And you're, and you're just walking around this, this thing, bl blowing a horn. You get boring after a while. You're probably bored walking, watching me walk around this podium, huh? I, like... I'm getting my exercise in. I hope my iPhone's on. I'm taking some counts on this. They're walking around this, this entire facility just, just, just every day. Have you ever tried like, to lose weight, anybody? How about gain weight? Amen to that. Okay. So like, when I'm not trying to lose weight, I can tell you on day two, day three, I don't see anything. Where's the progress in it? I never see progress, but not until like maybe day 15, and if I'm still doing it, still on that, how's that New Year's resolution working for you in February, huh? 
Like we're all, all beginning. And, and, and a lot of times we, we, we stop the progress. We give up because we hear the naysayers on the outside. We, we hear like, don't, no, you shouldn't keep doing it. Why are you doing it? No, you're probably too tired. You shouldn't get up. Imagine what those guys must have felt like as they're walking around every single day and they get home and their wife says, hey, how's, uh, how's that wall coming down business going on? Well, it's still there. Well, what are you gonna do day four? I'm gonna blow my horn. <laughs> I'm gonna toot a little longer. Okay, well, what are you gonna do on Day five. What are, you, what are you doing day five? Uh, the such you can just come home and watch the kids. I've been here with the kids all day long. What you're doing, nothing's happening. Like, why do it? You're just wasting your time. Why do you do what you're called to do? You're a Christian. God's called you to read your Bible. Well, I don't need it today. I, no, I mean, I, 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 hey, I made my church service today. And if you're watching online, cool, glad you're there. And, and like, that was good enough for the year. But is that, is that it? Like God's called you to, do, to love one another? I, I, hate, I hate certain people. I just love most of them. No, he said love one another as I have loved you. That's what you're called to do. Come on. The progress is to keep on walking. This is your starting point. I want you to say this with me. Just keep walking. Would you say it with me? Just keep walking. You don't know what's gonna happen. And you might be thinking, I mean, you might have been praying for a long time for like a, a child of yours to come back home. You might have been praying for, for this sickness to get better. You might have been praying for, for that, that back to heal, the cancer to come away, the, your business to be right. God asks you to just stay with the course because God is faithful. And day seven is on the way. Day seven is on the way. You don't know what's gonna happen. In fact, when I, when I begin to look at a church, when I begin to look at a people, you cannot stop and just give up hope because your God is right there to help you. And he just wants you to be faithful, to stay with it to trust in his promises, to believe on him, for us to be patient, for us to persevere, to never give up. And as Tim Allen once said, never surrender. He wants us to go all the way with him, every single step, every single mile, because God is faithful. Because when it's all done, day seven, let's look with me, verse, verse 15, check it out. The seventh day, they rose early on the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only that day, they marched around the city seven times. And what happened at the seventh time? When the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Oh, that's so good. You know what? We need to do that here. Can you, I, I, I wish we could have just marched around this whole church. Not to see the walls come down. That would be awful. But, but if we marched around this whole church and realized that God has called you and I in the city of surprise to do something great for him, for people to discover a hope that's found in Jesus. And I love that these guys, they got united on one thing. After watching, walking six days and then on the seventh day, seven times, they realized they had a purpose. They realized there was meaning. They realized they were driven by this one thing. And they believed something, united together on one front. And they said, shout, God has given us the city. Would you shout out with me? God has given us the city. 
Ready? Three, two, one. God has given us this city. Come on, that wasn't everybody. I can see everybody's lips. Come on. I know you weren't miming, okay, out here. Ready? Three, two, one. God has given us this city. He's given us a city. He's called us to this city. Can you imagine the, the hope that people have in this city of surprise? I love what God did because he brought a people group. He brought them there, and let's look at the final result, verse 20. It says, so the people shouted, the priests blew the trumpets, and when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in that city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and the sheep and the donkey. Let's not forget those guys. With the edge of the sword, they took the city. Why? Because they believed in what God was doing. They were reminded of their purpose. And as a follower of Jesus, you can never forget your purpose. And that's asking why. Why are you doing what you're doing? You need to remember why. Why in the world would Joshua take his group after just crossing the Jordan, after literally they were just circumcised, they were in a lot of pain for some of them, and they just came across, and they were gonna go to battle. We're gonna go, why Jericho? Why fight here? And the answer is one word, Rahab. They came to the city to rescue one. They didn't come. They did not come just to take down some city walls. No, they came because God saw somebody who was in need. And when God sees someone whom he loves, he will do whatever it takes to bring them out of a place of hell. I want to show you a verse found in Psalm 18, verse 17 and 18, it, it, it reads and it says this. Let's look at it on the screen together. 17, 18, and 19. It says, now, before they lay down, oh, that's not it, Psalm, sorry. Psalm, uh, that's uh, the other one. It's all right, we'll get it there. There it is, cool. Would you look at me? Here it is. This is God, this is how God does things. David writes this, he says, God rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and who were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress. But the Lord, would you say it with me? But the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. In fact, he rescued me because why? He delights in me. Why does God come to rescue someone trapped in a city? Because he delights in them. It tells us in Joshua chapter two, that was the previous one, we can pull that up. Joshua two, verses eight through 11. You're welcome to turn there in your Bibles. It's just to the left for a second. It says, now before they lay down, she came up to the roof and she said to them, this is uh, Rahab. She had just taken in two spies into the place. And she says to these spies that Joshua had sent, she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites and who were beyond the Jordan to the Sion and the Og, whom were utterly destroyed. In fact, we heard it. Our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. 
for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Do you catch this? Rahab is actually saying she's a believer in God. And when God sees someone that, he, that loves him, he will do whatever it takes to rescue them. In fact, God loves us so much that he sent his only son to this world. And whoever believed on him would have everlasting life. God did all the work to rescue us. There's nothing we could do to earn salvation, but God sent us his son. And you know what his name is? His name is Jesus. Do you know what Joshua's name is? In Hebrew, it means Yahweh is salvation. Fascinating. Who does God bring to rescue this, this girl in her present danger? Who's trapped in something that she doesn't know how to get out of? She's been doing it her whole life. She's a believer, and yet she's still doing the things that she doesn't want to do. That's probably like a lot of us in this place. It's probably like a lot of us in this city. What would God do? God would send an entire army to set her free. In fact, this woman, Rahab, her story wasn't about being a prostitute. Her story, she would be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Fascinating. You see, some of the times we think we're locked in this place because I'm this. I'm labeled as such. But in the eyes of God, you are precious. You are a delight. You are wonderful. And the only one that defines you is God himself. And you are called his most loved, his most precious. And he has done everything in this world to demonstrate that. That's why he came in the form of man and he died on a cross for you and me. And he offers us life. He offers us hope. He offers us a new beginning. And when, imagine this for a moment. Imagine if a church, if a, if a people gather together to pour into this mission and vision that God is on the move to save many for the people that he loves. Look out. God's gonna do some wrecking in a lot of people's lives. And it begins right here. It starts in this room. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your life. And I know that some of us have maybe slowed down in the progress, in our own progress with you. We've, we've hit delay. We said, I'll come back to you later. Lord, I, I ask and pray that right now your word would inspire us to keep on walking, to hold on to your promises that you would motivate us by your spirit to empower us to do your will, to not walk by sight, but walk by faith, to hold on to your promises, to believe on you that day seven is on the way. Jesus, I ask and pray that you would just boldly just move in this congregation, move in this place, that we would not only sense your spirit, sense your presence, but Lord, we would sense even a tugging on our hearts to just yield our life to you, to stay on mission, to stay on point, and realize that there are many men and women out there in this world that need to discover the hope that's only found in you, Jesus. And maybe this room right now with our heads bowed for just a moment, maybe that's you today. You, you, you could identify yourself as someone who's, who's lost, who's abandoned, who's afraid, who might be ashamed or 
you feel like you could never be loved or completely healed. There is a man who's not just an ordinary man, but he is the God-man who came to this earth in the form of man. His name is Jesus. And he loves you very much. And he gave his life so that you could live. But he didn't just stay dead on a cross. He rose from the grave three days later. And because he lives, he offers you life for all eternity. He offers you hope for today. And if you would believe on him, call on his name. Receive him in your life, the gift of salvation, the gift of grace. You will be his child forever. And he will heal you, restore you, and he will begin to transform you from the inside out. If you'd like to receive that gift of salvation, I'll have to pray with you right now. Would you just pray this prayer with me and just say, dear God, thank you. Thank you for demonstrating your love for me. It's because of that today I want to give you my life. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross for me and you rose from the grave. And because you live, I want to live for you today. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me just as I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you thank the Lord?